You're listening to episode two of Mental the Podcast. I'm Sarah Norton. So I'm at the corner of Grand Avenue and Victoria in St. Paul, Minnesota. Across Grand Avenue is a chic bakery called Bread and Chocolate. And across Victoria is Cafe Latte, which is a sort of boutique cafe. It's super gentrified. I'm sure you get the picture. But this corner that I'm standing on is the clinic where I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. And it also happens to be the clinic where I had all my prenatal visits for my son. I would always take my daughter with me to these visits. She would always help me measure and get stickers from the nurse midwives. And then I would take her on a little date to either cafe latte or, or bread and chocolate after the appointments. It's... It's a really beautiful street with all those happy memories. But it's also just really hard to be here. It's hard. But I'm thankful I found what was wrong with me. I'm thankful I got a diagnosis. I'm thankful for the help I received. It's really hard but I'm thankful for my grand in Victoria. Imagine you run into this super cool mom, probably an REI, baby slung in an ergo, wearing a sick Patagonia vest. One of her hands dances along the micro down rack. In the other hand, she holds a local pour over. But she's not indifferent. She's not too cool for school. She invites you in with her smile and her laugh and her personality. That is Marcy. When I was at a really low point with postpartum depression, around the time of my diagnosis, Marcy was there for me. She called me. She emailed me. She prayed for me. She made me feel like I wasn't alone. And she did all of this living in another state. She lived on the other side of the country, but she was still right next to me in a dark hour. After my diagnosis, Marcy and I kept talking through things, and it actually turned out she herself had her own postpartum depression with a little shake of anxiety on the side. So, even though she lived across the continent, I knew, because she had been there for me and because she shared the same diagnosis, that I wanted her to interview on this mental the podcast thing. 
So I flew over and we just talked. And so um, just tell me how you were feeling and like where you were at after having Genevieve. So actually, I feel like after she was born, I felt amazing for those first two or like two weeks. Because I feel, even though the birth itself, which kind of came to hit me later, the birth was actually pretty traumatic for me. It was very long. I didn't think it was ever going to end. Yeah, after she was born, I think I was kind of on like this high from adrenaline. And she slept a lot. So I felt like I was getting a lot of sleep with her after. But, so I felt good. And I remember talking to people and I was just very... I was, I mean, I was very happy and joyful and just kind of in awe of this little person and kind of confused that she was actually my kid because I would just look at her and be a little confused that she was, like, came out of me. I don't know. But then after a few weeks, I feel like, I feel like I slowly just started um, to, like, feel very annoyed with her and with Joe and, like, especially anxious, too. Um, But I was very aware of postpartum depression because I had a friend that had it and um they had told me stories about how they actually like had visions of like killing their kid and so that's I feel like I thought that's what postpartum depression was like it was where you were actually having these visions of like throwing your kid off this so I was just like oh yeah I don't have it but maybe I have something similar because I wasn't having visions like that um so but I felt like something was off um and I talked to Joe about that too I was telling him that um I was like nervous I had postpartum depression maybe I should talk to you know like the doctor at my eight-week postpartum checkup yeah and I remember driving to the hospital with Genevieve in the back for my checkup and I remember my heart was pounding really hard because I was so scared to talk to them because I just I don't know I, I, I don't know if I thought that they were going to call child services where I just had all these crazy things going on through my head so it was just a scary thing to be totally vulnerable with kind of a stranger you know even though Mm -hmm. she had delivered Genevieve and I just still didn't know her Um, but I talked to her about it and she she just said that she thought I looked great and my mood seemed good and I looked really bright like bright-eyed and I I seemed to be fine and I guess I kind of I was like yeah I'm probably I'm probably fine she called me a week later and was just saying you know actually are you okay he talked to me about postpartum depression do you need to come back but I just I think I felt just really embarrassed that I brought it up to her so I never even called her back I just kind of I don't know I just kind of didn't think about it so yeah but I feel like after that it just kind of was like this slow mm-hmm. <laughs> steady decline of just feeling really like almost like out of myself and just feeling like really frustrated kind of with everyone around me and also I would just take offense almost to anyone or like something someone would say if they're like wow you look really rested which I was for those few weeks but I would just take it and be like why can't they be happy that I'm rested like why are they why are they mad that I'm rested or things like that where it would just be just a normal comment you know someone wasn't trying being you know like they weren't meaning anything by it so yeah and then we decided to move and so a lot of the time Joe would be at work and I was packing and I remember there was a few times Genevieve would just be crying and I would just hold her and she'd just be screaming I'd be looking at her and I just remember just not even caring like I would just look at her and um 
yeah I just was too tired to even at that point like she was sleeping a lot more or she wasn't sleeping as much because she wasn't as young anymore but um I kind of just didn't care about holding her at that point but then Joe would come home and I would like almost be energized by him in a way and so I kind of felt like I should be more nurturing to her so it was like this like this facade I had when he'd be around like I didn't want to disappoint him yeah very anxious too about life in general and I think I was just suffering from some very severe anxiety but just didn't know how to even like talk about it or take a hold on it Sorry if that was a little intense, but all these conversations are pretty intense, so welcome to the podcast. I asked Marcy next to talk about more how that anxiety really looked for her, how it felt. Just tell, describe how it was feeling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anxiety was more for like if I was doing a simple task with Genevieve or if I was just holding her, I would get these ideas that you know, she was gonna, like, I was gonna drop her and break her head, and my heart would literally, like, I would feel my pulse, or not actually feel my pulse, but I could just feel my heart, just, it felt like it was gonna just jump out of my chest, like, it would just be beating so hard, um, and then it would almost be, like, I felt like, like, this crazy person that somebody was gonna walk in the room, and I would just be so startled, because I was just so, um, like almost just scared to be around someone so I just remember um I just like hang upstairs or hang out upstairs in that room and just like just kind of like sit in the corner on that bed terrified of life like just and really anxious to go downstairs and have questions asked about Genevieve like oh how is she nursing and how is um like how are you doing as a mom because I just want to <laughs> I feel like I just want to scream and be like, I hate it. Like, I I don't really want to nurse her anymore. And I am a terrible mom. Like, it was just those questions I felt like I was avoiding because I, like, thought people were downstairs just, like, wanting to ask. I really related to what Marcy described as a sort of heightened awareness that came with the anxiety. How she would imagine dropping her baby or imagine people talking about her, talking to her. For me, that heightened awareness, I think, manifested in just getting set off by just the sound of a car driving by our house, and how long it took for me to recover from a mild thing like that. Actually, one of the most concrete improvements for me since getting a diagnosis and medication has been not getting set off so easily, and when I do, recovering more quickly. I used to lose whole days and evenings. Now, it tends to be a lot shorter when it happens. So then I asked Marcy to answer what I think is kind of the money question. When did you hit rock bottom? Jeez, I feel like rock bottom was for so long. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like I hit it hard and just didn't know. Or giving, yeah, I don't know if it was pride. I just didn't want to even face the fact that I had hit rock bottom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like 
Joe actually. Um, who did I? Yeah, I had talked to a friend about going to a certain counselor, but I don't know. I feel like I wasn't actually admitting to anyone that I was struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, and I was like almost like I feel like I couldn't face the fact that I felt really um, completely lost and helpless. Um, like really angry with almost and very like yeah very annoyed with so many different things in my life and myself so I feel like the hitting rock bottom it was a long time before it felt like forever that I sought help um and I feel like it was probably maybe four months from when I felt like I really hit rock bottom um until I started getting counseling in February of 20 was it 2016 2016 yeah it was 2016 um and um I remember Joe he really you know he told me he's like Lindy I think you need to get some help um I just could not call this place to schedule an appointment I could not do it and he wrote down he like wrote down the number for me he wrote down the name and he like wrote down all the information I would need to tell him like insurance and all this and he just had it on the fridge for so long and I would not call him like it was just I just had to call this number and do it like because he wasn't going to do it for me I think I was hoping he would (laughs) but um I think I finally maybe threw out that piece of paper on the fridge. I was like, oh, like, I'm fine. I don't need that. But then um, I finally just told him that um, I really needed to go to counseling right away because I hit this point where I felt like an elephant had stepped on me and I could not, like, I felt completely smashed and even like (laughs) I feel like even walking like physically walking to get something like my body felt like it was like melting into the floor um because it was just so hard to do anything like even I still remember and the mom was like this is good but I was like even doing the dishes was like what I would do in like a day that was like what I did that day was the dishes (laughs) and the mom was like that's a really good thing I was like no 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 that's like all I've done today like this isn't just a chore that I marked off my list like I didn't do anything else but that that one thing which that's not like that's not good for anyone you know um and so yeah I went to see my counselor in February and um that was really hard um I feel like each appointment I had I was just like felt like vomiting the whole way there because I was so (laughs) terrified um I would always put on praise and worship music to try calming down um but I remember like those first few appointments I was like paying so much for them and I just remember like shaking and just crying (laughs) and she was so good because she just let me do that um but and it was really sweet because Joe actually came to each appointment <laughs> and he would just sit in the, he would just sit in the yeah. waiting room wow. yeah and I'd come out and I was like I'm such a mess I'm so yeah. sorry and he was like this is so good like you're taking care of yourself but I was like this is so much money and I'm like just crying in this appointment like I'm spending like $150 a cry and it was just like pathetic 
Um, but yeah, and then I did counseling for, um, I think it was 14 straight months. It was like, okay. it was like once every two weeks for okay. 14 months. Um, but then. So did it just end? So she, um, we eventually talked about stopping because okay. she was like, I think you're ready to, mm-hmm. um, go out into the world and like take these things we've learned yeah. and to go out. And she's like, but like you have my number, you have my email, yeah. you can come back whenever. Yeah. Like if you're feeling like you're kind of sinking again, just give me a call or we'll schedule something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it took a lot to get there. Yeah. And I felt like really, um, It was just hard to go because there's just this terrible stigma that counseling's a really, um, I don't know, it's just looked down upon. And so going there was, yeah, I don't know about you, but just going there, I felt really ashamed to walk in. Um, but then, yeah, my counselor, Heather, was just like like a saint. Seriously, she was fantastic. I can't mean, yeah, she always just... She told me for those first few appointments that, like, this is a really healthy thing I was doing and to not feel ashamed. Um, So, I feel like what she told me, which was really good, was she told me I was strong for being there. Mm -hmm. And hearing that, it was like, I would get so emotional because I was like, I'm not strong at all. I'm, like, the weakest I've ever been. Like, why are you saying Mm -hmm. I'm strong? Are you just saying that to make me feel good? But now looking back, I can see why she was saying that. But, um... Yeah. I think it was really interesting what Marcy said about her husband, writing the name and number of the counselor on that piece of paper, sticking it on the fridge, but how it had to be Marcy who actually made the call, Marcy who took the first step out the door. I also thought it was interesting how for her, treatment came primarily from a counselor and counseling, while for me, it'd been medication. We had the same diagnosis, but our own experiences, and as different women, different mothers, I think we required different remedies. Another thing I want to know about Marcy's story was how prayer and faith factored in. She and I are both Catholic, as are many of my friends and many of the women who opened up to me, so I knew that was a question I wanted answered. So I asked Marcy, what do you think was the role of prayer or faith in your healing process? Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, it's kind of... (laughs) I went to adoration, I remember. Um, It was really really great. This place I'd go to for counseling had a little chapel right next... Like, it was in the same building, so you could actually go to adoration or... Um, do some prayer time after your sessions, but, um, yeah, I remember just, (laughs) I feel like so many people go through feeling this way, um, just being on my knees and being like, I have nothing to give, (laughs) like, I have no room to serve and, or, like, no ability to reach out or to take care of anyone, I mean, Genevieve or Joe, or really Joe first, because, like, a lot of the time I would just be <laughs> taking only care of Genevieve. <laughs> yeah, I'd be so sad, because there'd be Genevieve, like, 
me nursing her and taking care of her and Joe would just be understanding but just looked so alone and just like zoning out on the floor yeah I feel like actually that's when I really realized I needed to get help was just looking at him one day and just being like wow he's he looks so alone um but yeah I just remember going to adoration and um I was like, Lord, are you even in there? I was really mad. But, um, I was just crying in the back. It was like in this chapel, it's the size of a closet. Like, it's really small. Um, I just felt so alone and angry. Um, because I wanted to be a mom for so long. I felt like forever. Um, and then suddenly I was this mom and I just, didn't like it (laughs) and uh or it just felt not adequate to be a mother at all um and not what I thought like I could have been um yeah I just remember um I just remember kneeling and closing my eyes and felt like Jesus was kneeling right by me like looking right at me and just holding my face um and just holding me um there's just so many questions I had to ask him but I feel like I almost didn't have the energy to but just kind of in my like hurt I was just felt so numb and like I didn't know what to say because I felt so abandoned and just felt like I had even let him down um and uh but yeah it was it took me a long time to feel like you can find the strength to pray and I think scripture is actually the main thing that helped was since I feel like I didn't have the strength to pray, I could read scripture. Um, and I found him there when I just felt so lost. As a final question, I asked Marcy what sort of advice she had for moms who might be struggling with postpartum depression. I just, I feel like just don't delay you know don't don't wait around hoping it's gonna get better you know um be even though it's so hard it's so hard reaching out for help when you feel so lost and almost forgotten to seek seek some help or look for a friend that you know you can talk to and rely on um if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, it doesn't make you a bad, a bad mom and a bad wife or a bad person. Um, it's like sad, but it's a very normal thing, you know, to suffer from, and a lot of people do. Yeah, and like not to feel ashamed of yourself. I think that's the main thing. Is like you just feel so much shame when you have these, you know, feelings or thoughts and. 
yeah, it's just... Because, like, if you just take care of yourself, you're going to be able to just, like, take care of those you love the most. But you can't do that unless you take care of yourself. Like what Andy was saying, like, the mom is the heart of the home. Like, you're the heart of the home, you know, and if the heart of the home isn't... If it's not beating, you know, it's like the blood isn't going to be, like, going through the body. Like, it's not going to survive, you know. Um, Yeah, I just felt like there were so many times... I was just like, we're not going to make it. Like, we're not going to survive. That's, like, a scary place to be in when you feel so lost and so broken. But there's just so many, like, there's so many, like, ways you can get help. And it's sad that it's Mm. so, it's not talked talked about, but even you, like, there's so many women that struggle with this. Mm. And I feel like if there's someone you talk to that almost um, talks about, depression or postpartum depression like it's a bad thing like talk to just try talking to one more person Mm -hmm. um because there are some people that are going to think it's a shaming thing but Mm -hmm. then there is going to be someone else to really uh lift you up Mm -hmm. and help you up and talk to you you know and just yeah not to isolate yourself from that from that hope because I think that's the main thing I've I've read that postpartum depression is the main cause of it is lack of support Mm -hmm. and so I just this is why like this podcast is awesome because I think it's going to be a huge support to women that don't even know where to find support talked about how Marcy was in close proximity emotionally when I was in the thick of postpartum depression? Well, there's another mom who comes to mind who is there for me physically. She's basically my neighbor who was there to help me when I was going through postpartum depression. Her name is May. She is awesome. I wanted to have a quick conversation with her too, just given that she was actually there. I actually dropped off my three-year-old at May's house the day I was diagnosed with postpartum. So I walked over. I started off by just thanking May again for being there for me. I asked her what was going through her mind when she helped me. Um, I just felt like a whole lot of empathy <laughs> because the idea of having a toddler and a baby like in and of itself was like, oh gosh, that would be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also then, you know, having your was appendix or gallbladder. Yeah. And then your mm-hmm. appendix and then also postpartum depression. Like I just had like a whole lot of empathy of like, holy cats, like things are super rough right now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and when Max was sick, we had so many people reaching out and helping out, um, you know, and like getting creative about how they did it because we couldn't let anyone in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I just like remembered, I don't know, it was just such a like show of like how people can like be there for you, even if you can't necessarily do anything to like take the load off. You can still, like, you can always feed someone and you can always, you know, like offer whatever support you can. 
Um, even if you can't necessarily take away the problem, you can try and like make everything else a little easier. So that was kind of my goal was like, okay, we'll get him fed. <laughs> we'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll babysit the toddler so you can go where you need to go. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of what was going through my mind was like, just a whole lot of empathy of like, you just, it's just like <laughs> everything all hit you at once. And it was just, I just felt really sad because I was like, gosh, that would be like, like in, just any one of those things would have been really difficult. But like all three together was like, man, you're just getting walloped right now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem super fair. So mm-hmm. that's, I just wanted to do what I could to like ease the load mm-hmm. where I could. Yeah. So I guess that was. Yeah, yeah, you you did. Yeah, it was so helpful. <laughs> and just like, like you're forever gonna be just like the person who is there. You yeah. know, like it was, you know, such like a heavy memory in my mind. You know, yeah, and like you're there, and it's so special. Oh, I'm well, so thankful. Good. Yeah. I'm glad that we were mm-hmm. able to be helpful. Yeah, I'm so thankful. I remember that day, and just coming back to her house after my diagnosis. And sitting in her cozy living room, just dumbfounded for like an hour and talking it through with her as the kids played. It was huge to have her there for me for that difficult hour. May had actually expressed to me too that she was having some symptoms of what she thought might be the beginning of a sort of postpartum depression but actually while being pregnant with her second. So I just asked her about that, too. Um, when I was on progesterone in my first trimester, um, I just lost, like, all joy. Like, nothing made me happy. Like, my only two emotions were, like, apathy or anger. That was mm-hmm. it. And so, I, like, more than, like, like, I don't know, last time in my first trimester, I was really tired and, like, not in a great mood. But it was so much deeper than that. Like, that, like things that, like, I was trying to think of, like, well, what do I love doing? And I was like, nothing. I don't love anything right now. <laughs> nothing is making me happy. So I did talk to my doctor about it. But by the time I had my appointment, it had already kind of passed. And she pulled me off the progesterone. And it was fine. But I think that's, like, the big thing is just that, like, if that feeling of apathy returns and, like, I don't know. I guess I don't super know what to look for. <laughs> um, just that, you know, I, I like the loss of, of enjoyment and what you typically love is what I always hear. Um, but yeah, it's I feel like it would be hard to recognize in postpartum because everything is so crazy and you're so tired. And so it would be hard to kind of navigate it. But I think that's the big one that I'm on the lookout for. And that was what made me worried <laughs> before was like, oh, I don't like anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the big thing that I'm looking out for. But um, yeah, I don't know. I wish that they did more to look for it because I just remember like, you know, in my six week checkup with Max, they're like, are you feeling OK? Mm-hmm. Yeah okay (laughs) like there wasn't a whole lot of like in-depth like here's what to look out for so I don't know (laughs) that and it's hard because you know I mean everyone assumes pregnant ladies are crazy and so if you say like well yeah I I don't feel right you know people are like oh you're just pregnant (laughs) stop writing me off there's something wrong I'm telling you yeah that's that's a good point 
Finally, I asked May a similar question to my last question to Marcy. How did she want to encourage moms? Yeah, what would you like to say to moms? You know, even like, because you have experience helping someone who has a mental mood disorder. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what would you like to say to Yeah, well, I think it's just really helpful to be able to say, I have anxiety, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, like, as a parent, because, like, mood disorders and mental health issues tend to run in families. Um, For me, it's really important that we do talk about it because I don't want to have a teenager sitting in the darkness thinking that they can't say anything about it because it runs in families. It's coming from everywhere. (laughs) Like it's, you know, you have to, we have to have named it before in order for our kids to be able to name it, you know, and as a culture, we have to have named it before for like new moms to be able to say, yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't right. It sounds like anxiety to me because if you don't name it, then you're just stuck there wondering what's wrong with you. Mm but you're not the only one who's there. So we have to talk about it. I like how May ended, how she said we have to talk about it, that we have to name this illness. And it got me wondering how many more moms there are who think they're alone. Well, they're not alone. That was only two moms, and my investigation was only beginning. The turn it would take would be intense. And who would step up to talk about it would blow my mind and shatter the notions I had of postpartum depression, of how postpartum showed its face in the dark. That's next time on mental.